Today, let's unravel the scarlet thread of Christmas, where it burst into flame on the Yule log, where it gleams in the satiny richness of red, red candles, where it erupts in the exclamation points of red holly berries. But first, let's explore, too, what lies beneath the bright crimson ribbons that tie up a gift package. A delightful surprise always when you turn for new and different suggestions from this friend of ours. Crossing was a small town, so of course they took notice of the dark stranger who moved into the run-down old Holmes farm late in the summer months. And so is our story today as we read something read in the Christmas notes of our Christmas fantasy. came from Texas, called him one of them lazy chili peppers, and added that any more, a man couldn't move far enough north to get away from them. Not that anyone set much store by Greenlee's opinion. He didn't like anybody except Texans. Maybe if Jose, Jose Garcia, as he called himself, had confided in the town, all would have been well. But Jose kept to himself with a reserve that was almost secrecy and almost bitterness. And so the talk began and grew. He was a gangster hiding out, some said. Others figured he was just a natural born no good. And some superstitious folks whispered other things, finding something evil and sinister in his dark and brooding good looks and the slow drag of his lamed leg. Only the children of the town sensed adventure in him and haunted the old home's place. With the children, Jose was a different man. He relaxed, he smiled, he told strange stories, and sometimes he got out an instrument, something like a guitar, and sang strange words to it. And Windsor Crossing talked about that, too. 
And today, one of the boys got badly scratched and bruised playing bullfighting in Jose's weed-grown pasture. It brought things to a head. Mrs. Cartwright staged a one-woman campaign to protect Windsor Crossing's youth from what she termed a bad influence. She persuaded mothers from one end of town to another to make the old home's place out of bounds. And she succeeded almost. Incidentally, it was young Jimmy Cartwright, Mrs. Cartwright's own pride and joy, who just couldn't be kept away. He sneaked down to Jose's place at dusk to listen to the strange songs, and he told Jose what had happened. Jose, when he learned why the children deserted him, said to himself, God has forgotten me. And his somber face became more bitter than ever. But Jimmy, feeling his strange friend's loneliness, came more often than ever. Though Jose pretended indifference to what the town did, he listened eagerly to Jimmy's accounts of a barn dance and the hayrides of autumn. And at Thanksgiving, he munched the drumstick Jimmy brought him and admitted that Mexico had overlooked one delightful holiday fiesta. Then Christmas came closer, and Jimmy was full of Christmas. Everyone in town is doing something to make it wonderful, he told Jose, helping trim the streets, decorating the church, Everyone is doing something, and then timidly he added, You should do something too, Jose. But Jose shook his head. They don't want me, he said, but still he wished there was something he could do. He too would like to play homage to the child born in the manger, but what could he do? He was too crippled to hang decorations and clamber up lampposts. He was without a skill, now that one wild and savage moment in the bull ring had ended his career. But all the same, quietly, secretly, so no one would see him and drive him away, he went to pay his respects. It was late at night when he walked down the aisle of the little church, a limping figure, but glittering as a storybook prince in his snug-fitting Toreador jacket and pants. Before the nativity scene, he paused and stood erect. And from the church entrance, Mrs. Cartwright, leaving after a day of exhausting ladies' aid doing, saw him. He was like an apparition, so bright with gold and flashing color. And then, in slow motion, he swung out a great circular crimson cape. And gracefully, he swung it over in a simple Veronica. And then, in dazzling display, he swung through intricate loops and turns until the crimson cape itself seemed as alive and graceful as a ballet dancer. And at last, Jose swept it forward on the floor, and with heels tight together, bowed toward the manger. Some trick of light and shadow, Mrs. Cartwright was sure, must have been responsible, but it seemed to her that the gigantic angel bent over the scene, leaned forward in response to Jose's strange homage, and the angel smiled. Or perhaps... Perhaps it was just the tears in her own eyes. Imagine, she thought, he is a matador, a crippled matador. No wonder he moves so far away from old, painful memories. And what have I done? I have kept him from making new friends and a new life. The first thing tomorrow, Mrs. Cartwright resolved, I'll tell Jimmy to invite his friend for Christmas dinner. And I'll make up for it all, and that will be the beginning. When Jimmy flew across town with the message, Jose's dark face softened with a smile. Perhaps these strangers would like him after all. 
Perhaps it was not that God had forgotten him, but that only for a little while, Jose himself had forgotten God. On the heels of the music that gives a lilt and a lift to the season, here is something to give a lift to your holiday budget. Some ideas from a friend of ours.
Edgar Guest penned the rhyme and the rhythm of a poem that seems to me to just about sum up the real spirit of Christmas. And he called it a Christmas bit. If I were Santa Claus this year, I'd change his methods for the day. I'd give to all the children here, but there are things I'd take away. I'd enter every home to steal with giving. I'd not be content. I'd find the heartaches men concealed, and I'd take them with me when I went. I'd rob the invalid of pain. I'd steal the poor man's weight of care. I'd take the prisoner's ball and chain and every crime which sent him there. I'd take the mother's fears away, the doubts which often fret the wise, and all should wake on Christmas Day with happy hearts and shining eyes. For old and young, this is my prayer. God bless us all this Christmas Day. And give us strength, our tasks to bear, and take our bitter griefs away. Christmas fantasy gains color from the past that touches it with the magic of folklore. And the crimson thread woven into the ever-growing fantasy of Christmas defines just such a tale about a shepherdess. Madeline, her name was, and she was young and beautiful, as a storybook shepherdess ought to be. But you never could have convinced Madeline that her life was like a fairy tale. It was hard work in all kinds of weather, keeping an eye on the flock and tending her aged grandfather too, for he was too old to work except on the sunniest days and the nearest slopes. No, Madeline would never have said she lived a storybook life until one amazing and unforgettable night. That was the night when the star appeared, a star so brilliant that it was as if all the familiar stars in the sky had suddenly scooted together like a frightened flock of sheep to make just one big huddle of stars. The shepherds coming down from the more distant hills stopped and told Madeline of a miraculous message that came to them out of a mist of blinding light, calling them to honor the birth of a child born under that star. Madeline caught up in the excitement of this unimaginable night and the exuberance of the shepherds cried, Wait for me and I'll go with you. No, they couldn't wait. They mustn't wait. But Madeline couldn't leave without seeing that her grandfather was all right. And she must see if he would be able to tend the flock for her a little while while she was gone. By the time she roused her grandfather, by the time she convinced him how mild the night was, how badly she wanted to go, the shepherds had disappeared. 
But with her grandfather watching to make sure the flock was all right, she was resolved that nothing would stop her. She followed the trail along the Starbright Ridge, down through the dark canyon, and up again into the starlight. And then looking down the snowy slope on the tiny village under the star, she stopped. She remembered the fleece and the cheese and the blue dyed robe the shepherds had carried as gifts for this miraculous child. And she had nothing. She sank dejectedly onto a rock by the path and buried her face in her hands. Oh, the shame of it. She could have brought that little box of dark carved wood filled with the rose petals or the soft scarf she had made the summer before. But she had been in such a hurry, and now it was too late to go back. And she wept with shame and disappointment, and then, through her sobs, she thought she heard a strange muted music, and she looked up. But with her eyes all misted with tears, the whole world looked blurry, and she thought she saw a form, but thought she heard a voice. And the voice cried, Madeline, Madeline, you bring your gift with you. For love makes the whole world bloom. She rubbed away the tears, and along the path where only naked, tangled brambles had stretched twisted arms from the snow was a bower of red, red roses. Roses brought to full bloom by her love. She couldn't believe it. She looked away and then back again. And then she gathered the blossoms in her arms in a big bouquet. Trailing crimson rose petals and perfume, she ran down the path, down and down and down toward Bethlehem. of that Christmas carol still ringing in your ears and the hearts, and the magic of Christmas fantasy ringing in your heart. You're in the mood for a helpful holiday suggestion from this friend of ours.
so it was, that night in Bethlehem beneath the star was the birth of all the world, of all creation. Never see a butterfly or hear a singing bird, but what in some strange manner I am very deeply stirred. Who first conceived the tender wings on which it seeks the rose? Has human thought such lovely things to fashion and disclose? O oh, singing bird upon a tree, has ever human mind? Contrive to solve the mystery of how you were designed. Man writes his loftiest thoughts and words and builds with brick and stone. But dreams of butterflies and birds belong to God and God alone. The crimson pattern of Christmas appears unexpectedly in Bulgarian custom of horses and apples. I'll bring you that in a moment. But one place you don't want Christmas to appear in crimson is in the red ink column of your budget. And just to be sure that it doesn't, lend an ear to this friendly advice from a friend of ours. crimson thread that has outlined a story of a shepherdess, the Christmas of a matador, and a song to sing under the holly bough. And it leads us now to one of the most unusual of Yuletide traditions ever, a custom that calls for ripe red apples. Daring and bold young men of Bulgaria fling the apples upstream and then plunge into the almost ice-cold water on horseback and try valiantly to maneuver their horses so that the apples bounced and tossed on the stream's current will strike the horse. If the horse is hit by an apple, it'll be stout and strong and quick-footed through all the years ahead.
many people are like a candle in the night. Their gentle, noiseless beauty is like a steady, burning light. Though they be short and tiny, or shapely tapers, tall and fair, around them beams a radiance that brightens life and steals our care. They do not sense the darkness, because their self-effacing glow encircles them with beauty that shines alike on friend or foe. And so I watch the candles that banish darkness in the night, Though they be short and tiny, or tapers tall with flames of light.